once again to the Chapter 49 podcast. It's always great to have you with us for another week. We've, we, we try to keep this weekly, and in recent months, we have actually done that. Actually, ever since the Christmas season, we've had these podcasts uh, as a weekly feature. My name is Larry Lannon. I'm a volunteer with Chapter 49 and a retiree. I mostly do communications, and my biggest responsibility is producing this podcast and trying to get Duncan Giles scheduled, which can be a challenge sometimes, but Duncan is with us as always. Great to have you back, Duncan. Good to be here as always, Larry. And I have to tell you, we are now in that season of the year when the heat is on. We have people listening all over, but in Indiana and a big part of the eastern part of the United States, there's a huge heat dome, and we have had uh, a a heat wave going on. We'll have a bit of a respite for a few days and it'll be back on again next week. We are of course recording this on the 17th of June, which is a Friday. So Duncan, how do you try to keep cool when the heat wave sets in? Uh, just keeping praying that the air conditioning, wherever I'm at is continuing to work and not break down. That's about the best you can do. Well, you did have a crisis at your home earlier, but that was averted. I understand. <laughs> yes. I've had... Yeah. A couple of weeks ago had, uh, some HVAC issues, but I uh, got those fixed and I just feel for folks, um, who I know are having HVAC issues. It's extremely tough in this heat to uh, have to deal with that. And, you know, we keep hearing these reports that uh, there's a shortage of, of electric capacity and we could have rolling blackouts. Now, I'm told that before that, if we don't know if it'll happen. If these you know long, very warm temperatures persist, it could. Uh, we are told that people will get a heads up and will know before these rolling blackouts start. So let's hope that does not impact any of the people who are watching and listening. That would... Uh, not be an easy thing uh, to deal with. Also, I'll say one other thing. Where I live here in the central part of Indiana, we have had a spate of drowning incidents. Uh, we've had some deaths due to drowning. Uh, you know, you really have to be careful. It's a time of year to get in the water. Getting in the water is a great thing, and it is a wonderful way to cool off. Please be safe, and if you're not sure what all the safety measures are, Check with uh, all of your local authorities. They all have plenty of good information on that. So if you have a pool without a lifeguard, and a lot of them don't, if you have uh, small ones particularly, uh, if you're in a lake nearby where you live, uh, just make sure you are uh, being as careful as you can and following all the safety procedures. Because we like to keep our uh, people who are watching and listening, we like to keep them back and have them back next week if they choose to join us. With that in mind, Duncan, let's get into our issues. And we have some good news. We're always glad to have good news. Absolutely. And we, and we have some very good news for people who have been uh, volunteering to help uh, with this, this, this huge backlog of paper inventory at the submission processing centers. You know, people in other functions all around the country, including toll-free sites, are starting to work this inventory. What good news do we have? Yeah, basically what has come uh, to an agreement for everyone who has uh, is in accounts management or submission processing, they should be getting a special act award uh, for their work on the surge of $1,000 before taxes. I always like to add that, before taxes, um, that, you know, that I think is very well deserved because uh, this has been a very tough 
you know, a couple of years for everybody, uh, but especially the folks in uh, answering the phones or dealing with the paper. It's just, uh, it never stops. Um, and with all the different things we've had, economic uh, payments, you know, advanced child care, credit payments, uh, the phone volume has increased, the paper volume has increased, and we just don't have enough bodies to take care of it. So I think it's a great, great thing that uh, the folks in those uh, divisions are being, uh, parts of WNI are being given a special act award. It's really interesting that uh, people who work for the IRS have to be reminded that this is before taxes. But you know, we want to be <laughs> want to be clear on that. Now, do we know when these payments will be made? Yes, sometime before the next ice age. Um, no. <laughs> In in actuality, because they have to be manual payments, um, it's going to be sporadic and spread out. So someone sitting across from you may get theirs um, next pay period and yours may not come for five pay periods. We just don't know exactly. IRS is uh, going to work to do what we understand is going to work to do them as expeditiously as possible. But we don't know you know, exactly when there will be, but we do know it will not be uniform. Yeah. And we still don't have every single detail about this. And you and I will try to do our best to keep everyone posted on this weekly podcast and also at our Facebook page, NTEU Chapter 49, Indiana on Facebook. And if you have trouble finding it, uh, just uh, check with Duncan Giles. He'll send you a link, or if uh, you want to just send it through the general email system and not the internal IRS email system, our email for Chapter 49 outside the uh, IRS internal system is nteu49 at aol.com. Send uh, an email there, and if you're having trouble finding our Facebook page, Duncan will be glad to send you a, a link, and you can access us on a regular basis. And you know, Duncan, our top two stories are Probably top three stories are pretty good news. The second story we want to talk about has to do with a raise. Now, it may not be as much as everyone wants. And as we've talked about on previous podcasts, fair or not, federal employee pay raises have, have rarely actually uh, kept up with the actual cost of living. But we are getting a, a bigger raise than we've had in recent years. Uh, the House Appropriations Committee, which is the starting point for, for these sorts of uh, measures, has already passed a 4.6% federal employee raise for 2023. It now goes to the House floor, and if it passes there, it goes on to the Senate. And uh, we'll we'll keep an eye on how this progresses. But it is good news that at least we – I know that NTU has wanted a 5.1% increase. That's not totally out of the ballpark, but right now it's it's 4.6. Yeah, it is, it is good news. And like you said, Larry, it's not keeping up with inflation, but with, um, you know, the congressional makeup the way that it is, this is quite an accomplishment to get it out of the Appropriations Committee in the House. Uh, we are trying to work uh, to get the 4.6 being the base pay and then locality pay added on to it. Um, so contact your congressperson or your senator to ask them for their support in that. But, yeah, this is something that, that could help everyone. So we urge, you know, all of all of our viewers, all of our listeners, all their families to, you know, contact uh 
the representatives and senators to let them know how much they would like this raise and, if possible, increase it. Yeah, and I think it's very interesting that that we need to. We've done this before the podcast, and I know people come in and out, don't necessarily watch or listen every week, or just recently joined us. There is a big difference between the increase that goes to retirees and the increase that goes to federal employees. Federal employees have to have legislation. It's a decision of Congress and the president as to how much of a raise and how much goes to locality, how much to, to across the board and so forth. That's a decision of the Congress and, and the president is involved in that as well. When it comes to retirees, Duncan, that is a specific formula that is tied to the inflation rate. Now, some people don't think it's tied to the inflation rate the way it should be, but uh, they are two completely different systems. Retirees, it's a, it's an automatic system based yeah. on an economic uh, model. Is that not correct? Absolutely correct. And that's one of the things that when I have people, you know, when the cost of living raise is higher than the raise that federal employees get, I use one of my favorite sayings is, you know, are you trying to bring logic into an argument with the federal government? You should know better than that. You've been around a little bit. Um, because it is two different things. And any time that you have something that has to be voted on by elected officials, that's always a wild card. We don't know when or how it will go. So I'm glad the retirees have something that's automatic and don't have to go through this process. And I should point out, as a person who retired about 10 years ago, for many years, the retiree raise was much lower than the federal employee. <laughs> Raise now it's kind of turned around, but it what goes around comes around. So there have been years where retirees got a better deal, and there have been years where employees get a better deal. So we just have to, you know, like you said, what what's logic got to do with it? Well, not much, unfortunately. There was another action that uh, was tied to that that House committee, and that has to do with the IRS budget. There's a very encouraging sign on funding, uh, agency funding for the IRS. What do we know about that, Duncan? Yeah, it looks like that they've uh, increased the budget about $1 billion, and they are setting the vast majority of that to go to taxpayer service and to enforcement. So that would mean to hire you know, more people on the phones, more people in the service centers, more revenue officers, more revenue agents, which are all desperately needed. Um, it's it's you know a great sign that we have that. We just have to make sure that we can make the jobs as attractive as possible so people do want to come and work here. Because right now, even with the you know employment market loosening up a little bit, it's still very tight, and we're still having trouble attracting people. So hopefully this will um, help with that effort as well. And I think it's early to tell. We don't know what the final budget's going to be and how it all comes up. But we also, on top of all that, which everything you said was absolutely correct, we still have to make sure the Congress funds our continued efforts to, in, to improve our uh, information technology systems, which continue to be totally outdated, right? As I like to say, we have the finest of 1990s technology. Um, it's just one of those things where, and, and the reason being is there is an actual logical reason for it. Most companies, when they you know, say we're going to go with a new updated system, they can shut down for whatever time period they need, a couple of weeks, a month, or two months for certain things, so they can inlay that. Ours, we can't do that at all. We have to overlay it 
over existing systems and have them run darn near simultaneously. So it's a very painstaking process, not easy at all, and it causes us to um, you know, take much more time than we would like to. Because I know the IT folks would love to deal with stuff that's much, much newer, much easier to deal with. But right now they are, you know, they have to, you know, keep up the old while implementing the new. And that's extremely difficult. Yeah. The old saying was we're trying to actually renovate the airplane while it's in flight. And that is. That's a great analogy. I've heard that for years. And I think that that tells the story of the IRS and. And, and our information technology. It's actually a longer story than that. We won't get into that, but uh, uh, at least uh, you know, some progress is being made. There has been uh, another uh, item that's, I think, good news for some people. I'm not sure how many people in Indiana will be able to take advantage of this, but uh, since we have uh, some people nationwide that do consume this, this podcast, either watching or listening, uh, there is uh, a new agreement that IRS and NTEU have entered into, and it's about voluntary relocations, where if you want to change your your POD from one to another, there are some uh, complications there, some details I want you to talk about. So what does this program mean in practical terms to people working for IRS, this voluntary relocation program? Yeah, the voluntary relocation program has been around for several years. Uh, usually has two openings. Um, they've created a new opening uh, for folks to put in their voluntary relocation request by June 24th. And the reason they're doing that is they want to make sure that we can get folks in. You know, if we're going to be reopening posts of duty, you know, if we're going to be doing a switching around, now is the time to do it. The unfortunate thing is, is that there has to be a vacancy in that particular POD to go for that relocation. Um, so it can be fairly limited. Uh, you know, your larger cities are going to have better opportunities than some of your smaller posts of duty. But nevertheless, if you're interested in switching posts of duty, I always encourage people put in for the voluntary relocation. The worst they can tell you is no. Yeah, and I think another complication to this uh, is, is the fact that there are other provisions that can trump this. For example, if there's a hardship transfer that's been approved, they would get preference. Uh, certain um, settlements of, of labor uh, filings, you know, grievances, sometimes you, you know, that can trump a voluntary relocation. But it's, it's worth a try. If something you want to do, it's worth a try, but there are no guarantees, correct? Exactly. Exactly. And that's why I always encourage people, you know, if this is something you want, put in for it put in for it at every, you know, every time there's an open, uh, open opportunity to do so. And now, right now is one that I think that the IRS is really looking at so they can figure out where they have the people, what posts of duties, that sort of thing. And it's much, much cleaner to do it now when they're getting ready to uh, go for phase two of the uh, evacuation order ending. Let's move on to COVID testing. Believe it or not, that's still an issue. Uh, and uh, there is still a testing program that is uh, basically a government-wide program. It's for COVID. And as we go back to the office, this will become more of an issue. But our national president for NTU, Tony Reardon, has sent a letter to OPM. And what is he pushing in, in this letter? 
Yeah, basically, Tony, and I totally understand where he's coming from, is saying, you know what? We need to basically end the testing. And the reason for that is it's not that effective. When you're using the, uh, you know, the instant tests, so to speak, where they, you know, uh, stick a swab up your nose and see if they can get it to come out your ear um, by going up that far, you know, those are reliable but not super reliable. So you get a lot of false positives from those. Um, and it's just, you've also got the fact that people who have, uh, have had, you know, their COVID shots, their boosters and things of that nature can still be carriers for COVID. So Tony's basically saying, look, right now, what we've got isn't going to work. It isn't working. Um, you know, let's, let's stop it and perhaps relook at this. All right, so that's uh, to be determined. OPM has not responded to Tony's letter yet, so we'll we'll see where that goes uh, as we move forward. There's another COVID-related issue, and this again goes back to this whole return to the office because the key date that was put in is uh, June 25th, although I think that's a weekend, so it's the next business day. So as I would say bef- right before the end of June, uh, well, we're back to the the evacuation order is is now gone, and we're back to the contractual situation where if you're on telework, you must come into the office two days out of that two week pay period. So we're back to that again as we head to the end of June. Now, the one issue that NTEU has recently brought up with the management is cleaning, and we've talked about this ever since COVID. Uh, hit us what in 2020 and and the whole idea here is well you know if people must be in the office and you you had some mission processing centers and other parts of the service where people were coming into the office unable to work telework for whatever reason and nte were worked very hard with the management to make sure we had properly cleaned offices well now that people are coming back nteu wants more extensive and regular cleaning for this uh, second phase of return to the office. And what's what's IRS response as of now? Yeah, this one kind of puzzles me uh, from the response. Not from uh, not from NTU wanting it, because I think we all would like, you know, when you're coming back, some of these offices have not been entered into for two years. So, you know, basically what NTU has talked to IRS about is, hey, you know, you've already got your managers reporting. Why don't we start the regular cleanings now so that they can be in process so when employees do come back in, they can come back in to clean offices. Uh, The response that we originally got was, uh, you know, we've taken a look at these offices. We've gone through them. We've made sure that there's no damage in them. They look okay. Um, There's nobody basically to take care of them. Um, so that's why we're not going to do it. We'll, but we'll take a look at it. And now IRS has come back and said, no, we're not going to start regular cleaning until there are actual employees there. So they don't want to bother their managers to have this done, I guess. And there, there are several PODs across the country, many PODs across the country where they don't have managers in the office. So I can, you know, I see that, but it's like, this should be a no-brainer. Everybody should want a clean office um, to come back to, to be, you know, regularly cleaned 
right now before people start coming back under the second phase of the evacuation. Well, yes. And, you know, even when I've been working at various IRS offices, most of the cleaning services we had on a regular basis, let's say we're not candidates for the Golden Mop Awards. So uh, (laughs) some were better than others, I will say. You know, it kind of depends on the local contract that you had. And now with COVID, and and there is at least a, a possibility COVID can in some cases be uh, transmitted uh, through uh, an office that is not cleaned up to certain standards. So I think this is going to be an ongoing issue. NT was on it. We're not going to let up on our pressure on the management on this. And uh, we would certainly want uh, to hear more from our own members, people who are members of NTEU, as you see things in your workplace that don't look right in this whole area of cleaning. Let NTE, your local NTE people know, and we, you know, we have a way of, of following up on this. So we will do the best we can on the local level, and our national union will also push this uh, with the national management as well. But I've always found that trying to address this on the local level, Duncan, is is the most effective way to do that. Yeah, and it's one of those things. If you, you know, if your office is not clean or your area is not clean, needs to be vacuumed, needs to be dusted. Obviously, hasn't been for quite a while. Put in a ticket. You know, put in a, you know, ERC ticket, let them know. So FMSS knows that there are issues in the area because it's not just COVID. I mean, if you've got a lot of dust out there, there are people with allergies, um, you know, those sorts of things that you just, it's just common sense that you should have a clean office. If, if we're, people are being forced to come back in after working successfully from home for two years, the least they can come back into is a, a office that's regularly cleaned even before they start coming in so they know they're coming into a good workplace. Let's move on to another issue, and this is one you and I have talked about on numerous occasions. It came out of the renegotiated and now in place national agreement. It's a child care subsidy. Now, there are income limits, but it's mostly for the lower income um, employees at IRS, and there are a number of those, uh, a subsidy for their child care expenses. And um, many agencies already have this. So now IRS has agreed to do this through the labor agreement with NTEU. But uh, the original vendors that were chosen, I think uh, IRS has admitted maybe we're not up to that massive job for a national uh, uh, program for child care. There's now been a, a revetting of all the vendors that are going uh, to be hired to do this. So is is that a good sign? Tell me where you think this child care subsidy stands right now. Uh, it, extremely frustrating it stands from my standpoint. Um, this is something that should have been done, you know, by the start of the year. And for whatever reason, IRS couldn't find the right vendors because we had heard they had had a vendor selected. They were getting ready to roll out. Now, all of a sudden, we're going to revet uh, vendors. So are they starting from scratch? We should know more in a couple of weeks. You know, this is uh, why NTU filed a national grievance against the IRS on this, because there's just no way it should have taken this much time. No way at all. So hopefully, hopefully, we're finally moving forward on this. I can tell folks who are looking for this uh, that NTU is not only pressing for uh, this to happen yesterday, but also that it be retroactive to the start of the year. So keep your child care receipts, things of that nature, 
So if you do qualify, once they finally select a vendor, that you can get these uh, expenses reimbursed because it's, it's a great program. It's something the IRS readily agreed to at the table. Uh, you know, everybody thought it was a great idea, but, it, you know, implementation sh- on something like this should not be that difficult. We've already mentioned uh, telework in a couple of situations we've talked about now, but there's something else on telework that we'd like to talk about. Uh, this came up at that national agreement table, and now NTU wants to push further and bring more positions into that telework uh, listing. So tell us what's going on there. Yeah, this is one of those things where we talked about it uh, at the table darn near a year ago um, when we were finalizing it about the positions that could be eligible for telework. And NTU continues to believe that if you've been able to do your job successfully for two plus years from home, there's no reason that you shouldn't be able to do frequent telework. So we're working with the IRS, trying to find different positions uh, that are not included in the frequent telework list to expand that. And I think we're going to be having some success eventually. Now, how long eventually is going to take? We don't know. Um, But it's something that we're really working towards because it's, again, a no-brainer. If you've been doing it for a couple of years, why shouldn't you be able to continue doing it? Are there any specific positions that NTU is targeting, or is it uh, we're just looking for the longest list we can find? Uh, there's there's a laundry list of positions that are out there. There. Okay, Duncan is just uh, frozen on us now, and unfortunately, we know this is a an occasional problem, and we're hoping that he comes back here shortly. But right now, he is uh, he is now in a frozen uh, position. We, uh, Duncan, are you there? I uh, have been here. I can hear everything you're saying. Yeah, I can hear you. You can hear me, but uh, you've been you were you were frozen. So go back to the start of your discussion there on on the um, on the frequent telework list. Okay. Well, first off, I think frozen is probably the best thing for me because that way you can't really see me that much. Um, the, uh, the, the situation on the telework is we're just pushing for every position that has successfully been able to do it during the pandemic, we feel should be on frequent telework. That's the long and short of it. Okay, we got one other issue here, and again, Duncan is not synced up on the video. So if he's, is what he says and what he what you're hearing it don't match up again, we've this happens now and then. Uh, seems like it's always when there are storms in the area for some reason. We got <laughs> we've got some storms coming in. Maybe that's the who we don't know for sure. We did talk about last time the um, there's a lawsuit dealing with the OPM hack where so many federal workers and and, and retirees particularly had their personal information revealed in a hack of the OPM website. Uh, There has been a lawsuit that's been years in the making, because this goes back to 2014 and 15. If you are an NTEU member, one of the many benefits of being a member, you receive uh, regular emails from our national union. Tony Reardon did send out in the past week an update on this, and there is a website that's been set up, but Duncan, there's still not an application process, and there's still not total clarity on who's who's eligible, but uh, if you're a member, you will receive an update from our National Union, and uh, we will also uh, update you here on this uh, on this podcast. Anything you want to add to that? Yeah, National NGU has been very much a part of this. 
even though we're not party to the lawsuit per se, but we're getting out information and they will be sending out links to the uh, where you have to sign up for uh, to be party to this. Finally, the only management official <laughs> that has ever agreed to be on this podcast. And by the way, they told him he needed to have a script, which we couldn't obviously provide. If this were scripted, nobody would watch or listen, quite frankly. Uh, but uh, he just went ahead and, and just took the risk of doing it anyway without permission. Andy Reitmeyer, who uh, Duncan has worked with on a number of, of uh, employee issues, uh, dealing with surveys, follow-up on surveys, particularly uh, during, uh, dur during I think, COVID, these surveys had a, an added uh, importance and allowed the management and the union to work together to solve some issues that were revealed by those surveys. Well, Andy uh, Reitmeyer has now been awarded a uh, an assistant commissioner's award, which is a very high honor. So, Duncan, we do want to uh, congratulate Andy. Yeah, the, uh, this was due. <clears throat> Andy got a commissioner's award, a deputy commissioner's award for uh, his and his team in the engagement office, which he headed at the time uh, for the pulse surveys. And, you know, whether it's Fez or pulse or, you know, whatever it is, I always encourage people to take these surveys because they are looked at. And if you're not happy, that's the best way to let people know. But the Pulse survey, I thought, was particularly good. It was, you know, weekly, a short survey, and, and actually gave a pulse to what was going on. And I thought that was very well done. And I think uh, Andy is quite deserving of getting that uh, Deputy Commissioner's Award for that. Yeah, we enjoyed having uh, Andy on the podcast. He's moved on to another job since. He's with, I think, in the Criminal Investigation Division, so I'm sure they'll they will receive the benefits of, of his uh, extensive experience and ability. So, Andy, congratulations and uh, best of luck to you and your future endeavors. Uh, I know on our final comments, uh, Duncan, you and I both want to talk about Juneteenth. Juneteenth uh, just barely got on uh, uh, the radar as, in fact, it was a last-minute uh, day off last year because of the legislation had just passed, but President Biden made it such a priority, and it's hard to get the federal you know, bureaucracy to work this fast, but he got it done. The first Juneteenth um, holiday was last year. This is the first year we've known it was on the schedule from the beginning of the year. It is this coming Monday. Juneteenth itself is going to be on a Sunday, so this, the, the Monday after we record this and post it, that Juneteenth will be celebrated as a federal holiday. So um, maybe a few thoughts uh, from you on as a final comment on Juneteenth. Yeah, this is one of those things I think is very important. Um, you know, this, for those that don't know, Juneteenth came about when uh, the slaves in Galveston, Texas, uh, finally learned that they were able to, that they were free uh, because Texas at that time had not really followed the rules on that. Uh, but I mean, it's just, you know, this is the the land of the free, the home of the brave. And anything that we can do to celebrate uh, things like that, where people are freed because, you know, slavery is an uh, abomination and should never have been done anyway. But that's a whole nother discussion. Uh, I think it's a it's a very worthwhile celebration and we should embrace this. Well, no question that 
You know, slavery is a black mark on the history of America. It, it caused us to fight a civil war over the economic issues tied to it. And uh, uh, the fact that we had to fight a civil war to end slavery. And Juneteenth is an important holiday just for the reason you mentioned. It was the last slaves in America learned that they were free and were no longer slaves. So to me, that is worth celebrating. And I'm glad the Congress last year finally decided, and it took both parties, by the way, uh, to come together to pass this legislation. We have a 50-50 Senate, so it's very difficult to get these you know, anything controversial passed. And the Juneteenth holiday was, uh, was a bipartisan effort in both houses of Congress, and President Biden wasted no time signing it and putting it into effect as quickly as possible. So Juneteenth, it's, I'm very, very happy to see that's now a federal holiday and uh, it is a good federal holiday. That, I think, of the Martin Luther King holiday are very important in terms of understanding the uh, contribution that African Americans have made to this country. And, uh, and, I, and I am very happy to see it. So anything, uh, anything else quickly, Duncan, before we wrap it up? I just want to uh, you know, tell all the fathers out there, I hope they have a great Father's Day. And I hope everybody takes and has a good three-day weekend. You deserve it relax where you can, celebrate the holiday, and, you know, be with those you love. Yeah, and I know that, uh, you know, I have two daughters, you have a daughter, and being a father, just having great kids, that's the joy of being a father. So I'm glad you, yep. I'm sure your daughter will uh, give you something, make sure you uh, feel special Sunday. And, and my daughters, uh, just the fact that they are there and have grown into the wonderful adults that they have, uh, that's all I need to know for Father's Day, and I think you feel the same way. Exactly. But, so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that uh, we were able to make that comment and, and, and talk about a couple of important things here at the end of the podcast. So, Duncan, thank you very much for joining us again. Next week, we're not exactly sure when we'll have the podcast. Our schedules are a little dicey next week. The uh, holiday is only part of that. But it may be a little earlier next week, but we hope to be back with our podcast again uh, next week. It's the Chapter 49 podcast. You can find it by looking for Duncan Giles on YouTube. There's more than one. Just check with all the videos of Chapter 49 podcast, and you can subscribe to his video feed, and you'll be notified every time we have a new video podcast. On the audio side, a lot of people listen uh, just to us on the audio side. Just go to any uh, platform and just search under Podcasts by Larry Lannon, L-A-N-N-A-N, and you'll find all my podcasts. I, I produce a number of them, and the Chapter 49 podcasts are there. Thank you again for watching and listening. Great to have you, and please be safe and be kind. Be kind.